Good evening, everyone, and welcome into another edition of the Rays Countdown to Opening Day Show. Along with Andy Freed, I am Dave Wills, and we are outside the Tiki Hut here at the Charlotte Sports Park as the Rays uh, earlier today beat the Pittsburgh Pirates by a score of 5-1. to one. And Andy Freed, as uh, we get ready for tonight's show, we're going to talk with uh, Logan Morrison in just a little bit. You'll have a chat with one of the newest members of the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. He had a nice, lengthy conversation with you. And then also, we'll be checking in with Derek Shelton. The Rays' offense has been a big topic of conversation so far this spring, and they continue today with the five runs on 12 hits. And again, uh, a couple of the guys who have had, uh, so far anyway, about a little more than a weekend of spring training, very, very good springs. Desmond Jennings at the top of that list. James Loney swinging the bat very, very well. And again, a couple of guys who are really kind of, I don't want to say on the outside looking in, but a lot of guys are talking about all the new guys. The guys who have been here for a little while are trying to say, hey, don't forget about me. And maybe the story of the day is Logan Forsyth hitting in the leadoff spot and Kevin Cash indicating after the game, maybe that's an option for him hitting leadoff this year. It's certainly a possibility. And it's, you know, it's a great article written, too. It's amazing. A Logan Forsyth came to the Rays, what, two seasons ago. He's going to be a part-time player. Now he's the team MVP. He's got a contract extension. He may be the first guy that hits every night. It's really amazing how things can turn, and it's nice to see. You know, we hosted that thing uh, for season ticket holders here the other day, and Logan said that he loves to play hard-nosed baseball, and that, that really stands out. And that's when good things start to happen. Uh, and it's wonderful to see what he's doing. Three hits today. You mentioned James Loney. Two more hits today. And you really want to see James drive the ball. There's so much to bring up to Derek Shelton later on because this offense, I think, has taken a turn for the better. When you look at last year, how the more aggressive approach seemed to really take hold in the final couple of months of the season. And the Rays started to score some more runs. And I think they have more threats in the lineup this year to opposing pitching staffs, which will help out when other managers have to work on their matchups late in the game. So I love to see five runs, 12 hits today. It's a pretty darn good pitcher, too, to start it off from Francisco Liriano. Uh, Jamison Tyon pitched today for the Pirates also, and Neftali Feliz, and on and on. But the Rays overall, not a whole lot not to like about a five-run, 12-hit performance. No, and usually when you win by a score of 5-1, to one, yes, we want to talk about the offense. We will, again, as we said with Derek Shelton here a little bit later on in the show, but also defensively and on the mound. Uh, Drew Smiley, you know, in the second turn through the rotation, there's been a little couple of bumps. Chris Archer wasn't as uh, sharp. Uh, Erasmo got dinged around a little bit. Drew Smiley, once again today, I was listening on the way in for a little while to uh, Neil Solons and uh, also Andy Sonnenstein on RaysBaseball.com. And for the most part, while I was listening, they were commenting about how he really kept the Pirates off balance. There wasn't a lot of hard contact, and that's Drew Smiley at his best. Interestingly enough, the guy, the left-handed batter that got a hit against him was Matt Joyce today, yep. which is an interesting thing. Uh, so lefty on lefty, Drew gave up a, a base hit. Didn't, it didn't matter because the next guy had a line drive turned into a double play. But Smiley, three and a third, two hits, no walks, three Ks. You know, if he's healthy, and that's – that's the thing. You just hope these guys can stay healthy. I would love to see, and at this point, I'd be very disappointed if we don't get a chance to see what this rotation can do. I mean, when you have Archer and Odorizzi and Smiley and Matt Moore, it's such a, a beautifully balanced rotation with the two righties and the two lefties. Erasmo, how about Matt Andres with three shutout innings against the Tigers after they had scored some runs against Erasmo? And that lineup is ferocious, uh, pardon the pun, with the Tigers this year. So that tells you something, too you got to like what's going on, and yet every spring training, and I know after 12 years you've got to be sick of hearing me saying that, you don't want to get fooled and thinking that it's necessary a carryover in a good or bad way. Spring training is just kind of its own entity, guys truly getting their work in. Uh, bad things in spring training don't mean they're going to be bad during the season. Good things don't mean it's necessarily going to carry over, although sometimes it does. 
Uh, but you like to see a number of wins. I always look to see you know, if the team can go about 500 in the springtime right now. The Rays are 4-5. and five. I am A-OK with that. Yeah, be careful about those spring crushes. But, uh, again, always nice to win, as I've always said, too, and I know people probably get sick hearing this. If you're going to keep score, you might as well win, and the Rays did that. They've now improved to 4-5 and five on the spring. The Pirates dropped to 2-7. and seven. Uh, Again, defensively, Daniel Robertson committed an error today. But looking at the bullpen, too, another point of uh, – I don't want to say concern, but a point that I'm going to be keeping an eye on all spring. A couple of guys who are fighting for a spot in that bullpen. I think Danny Farquhar probably in the bullpen, a quiet inning today. But, again, Andrew Bellotti, a guy that I think the Rays are going to be looking at. Who knows if he's going to be one of those bounce back and forth guys a little bit here. But uh, a guy that they're hoping that could probably get multiple innings out of on occasion. And he had a quiet inning. And kind of continuing what he did last year when he was at the big league level, he could be a big, big piece of the puzzle for the Rays in that bullpen before it's all said and done. We're going to see him. I don't think there's any question. I don't know if it'll be on opening day. Uh, I don't know if it'll be in May, June, whatever. It could be back and forth. But I still think back for Andrew Bellotti to that series in Seattle a year ago when he got some big outs. I remember it was a big weekend for Kevin Jepsen because the Rays uh, didn't have some of the big boys to go to, Boxberger and McGee, that weekend. Uh, so Jepsen got some big outs, but Bellotti set it up for him. And uh, I thought at the time, and I still think that way, that that – when a guy can come up and get some big outs on, in a road ballpark, that to me says everything you need to know. So, uh, you know, he may be with Durham for a while, but I know he's going to be with us for at least segments of the season. One guy that stood out this week was Eni Romero, and uh, he's one of those guys he has got that big left arm, and I, I love to see that he's pitching aggressive. I've seen some, some real energy from him on the mound so far, even pumping the fist when he gets the last out of a spring training game, uh, getting into the mid-90s. We saw Alex Colomay make his spring training debut this week. We saw Xavier Cedeno yes. calm and cool like, uh, like it's you know, no big deal to just come in and get lefties and righties out. You know, there's definitely legitimate questions about how the bullpen is going to shake out. But so far, it makes you feel a little bit good about the way it's looked. The other thing to keep an eye on or keep uh, an ear out on when you're uh, listening to the broadcasts and all spring long and maybe even in the regular season, uh, you can check it out at RaysBaseball.com. Neil Solon sat down with Johnny Venters, and here's a guy that was a, an elite uh, late-inning reliever with the Atlanta Braves. Now, he's had not one, not two, but three Tommy John surgeries, so you're always kind of wondering uh, if it's going to be able to hold together in that elbow of his, but... When he's been on the mound at the big league level, he's been as good as anybody. And, uh, you know, again, the Rays are really kind of uh, taking him along. He had a regular offseason. Listen to a great uh, interview that uh, Neil had with him on RaysBaseball.com. And, uh, you know, he's a guy, too, that I'm kind of of intrigued by. I think that, uh, you know, again, maybe by May, June, who knows uh, what the schedule will be. But if he can be healthy, we know he can get people out, and he's got electric stuff as well. Oh, I mean, he was one of the top pitchers in any bullpen uh, when he was with the Atlanta Braves. You know, there's kind of a core. There's, you know, they used to talk about the Yankees' core four. The Rays kind of have a core four right now of pitchers coming off of Tommy John with Chase Whitley, uh, Neil Wagner, Johnny Venters, and, of course, Alex Cobb. Those guys could all play, not just minor roles, significant roles with this team this year as the season goes along. Uh, But it seems like every team has a couple of guys. Just reading about the Yankees for this weekend, Ivan Nova was kind of on the Matt Moore sort of schedule. Uh, He should be back with them, but... Uh, I'm very interested to see, of those four, how many can we expect here in March of 2016 to play a role? I I think they're all going to play some sort of role, 
But there's the asterisk if they stay healthy. He's Andy Freed. I'm Dave Wills. We're again broadcasting outside the Tiki Hut out here in left center field after the Rays beat up on the Pittsburgh Pirates today by a score of 5-1. to one. If you're in the area, the next time that uh, we're going to be doing this, I think will be on the 31st uh, because we're going to be uh, in Clearwater uh, next uh, Thursday. And then also, uh, we I think we got a night game on yep. the following Thursday. But if you ever do come out to uh, the, the last Thursday uh, home game here, join us out here at the Tiki Hut. They've got some great drink specials. we got a nice crowd out here this afternoon. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Rays hitting coach uh, Derek Shelton. But a reminder, you can get your spring uh, t- tickets and get your whole team in the action when the Rays are here during spring training in Charlotte Sports Park. Groups of 15 or more are perfect for employees, friends, or family. You can receive a discount at price as well. Visit RaysBaseball.com slash spring or call 888-FAN-RAYS. Raise up. He's Andy. I'm Dave. We'll take a break. We'll come back and talk with Rays hitting coach Derek Shelton right after this on your home for Rays baseball. 620 WDAE and the Rays Baseball Network. Head over to Hooters after the game for our world-famous classic chicken wings tossed in our homemade signature sauce. Hooters, the original wing joint. With Dave Wills, I'm Andy Freed and a cast of hundreds here at the Tiki Hut at Charlotte Sports Park after a 5-1 win for the Rays over the Pittsburgh Pirates this afternoon, a five-run, 12-hit attack. We're counting down to opening day. Opening day is April the 3rd this year for the Rays, a 4 o'clock game on Sunday, April the 3rd. Uh, and that's uh, when we'll really get it started. There's still a couple of weeks to go on spring training, and Dave, it's a good day to have the hitting coach here when the team gets 12 base hits. Timing is everything. There's no doubt about it. And the Rays with five runs on 12 hits, and uh, they've been one of the uh, better swinging teams so far this spring around the Grapefruit League especially. And uh, Derek Shelton, the Rays hitting coach, joins us right here. And Sheltie, uh, first of all, thanks for taking the time to join us. I know that uh, these are very, very long days during the spring. You guys get here really, really early before uh, the crack of dawn, but uh, I, I would imagine you've got to be pretty pleased with the way things have been kind of shaken out so far this spring and even for that matter over the winter when you saw some of the uh, the arsenal that Matt Silverman was starting to put together for you. Yeah, I'm excited. Usually when we do these things, it's like a one-run, two-hit <laughs> game. So five runs, 12 hits, uh, excited about it. But, yeah, Dave, going back to uh, the offseason, the people we acquired, what we've done offensively, and then, you know, the way the spring started with the way we've swung the bats and the different guys we've added, it's been exciting. Well, and you look at this time of spring training, how much are guys just trying to get their timing down? You always hear pitchers are ahead of hitters this time of year. And just spring training overall in the beginning, is it all just about get that timing for these hitters? Because it's going to be a hard thing to find again. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, early on pitchers are throwing fastballs, change-ups. A lot of guys aren't throwing multiple breaking balls. So it's a little bit easier to hit at this time of the year just because of the fact that, you know, guys don't have their power breaking balls. But uh, it's exciting. For, for the club we've put out, for the way they've embraced what we're talking about, the approach we're doing. But, you know, you can't get too high because you go through the, the, the swing. I think, you know, Dave, you said it in your opening about, you know, spring training kind of goes like that. So guys get hot, get cold. And there's certain guys that get hot all spring training and then start out cold. So we don't look too much into it. But I, I think we're excited about the offense we're going to put out there. You know, a lot has been made about the approach, Shelty, and the, the change of uh, the thought process with the Rays the last couple of months of last season when they did start uh, going after pitchers early in the count, when they started to do a few more things, looking to be a little more aggressive at the plate. It, it showed that we could score a few more runs, that we did a few more things. The average climbed as well. If memory serves, though, I thought we kind of started that way at the beginning of last year, too. I thought we were a little aggressive at the beginning of last year, and then when we ran into some tough times, we kind of got away from it. I mean, again, the, the pitch per plate appearance was almost pretty similar. I mean, I know you guys 
look at the numbers a lot more than we do. But uh, is it that much of a drastic difference in approach, or is it just that more guys have bought into it than maybe in the past? Yeah, I think early in the year we probably did it without talking about it a lot. And then we had the last series in July where we, we started to really emphasize it and talk to them. And, you know, it's a credit to our front office. It's a credit to Kevin. And it, it, more importantly, it's a credit to our players because they bought in. We kind of went from that point on. And it, it's not so much the – as much as we're statistically or analytically based here, but it's the mindset of our guys. They bought into it. You know, the best thing that happened for me in the game today is Desmond saw five strikes and he swung at all five of them. He swung at a 3-0 pitch. He had a 1-0 or he had an 0-0 homer. Things like that. So when guys get to the point where they're being aggressive in their mindset, you know, that's what we're looking for. So, you know, it's not so much, hey, everybody's going to swing at the first pitch or everybody's going to, you know, be aggressive in power counts. It's the fact that we're getting the right pitch and we're following up on it. And I think our guys have really bought into it. But it wasn't even taking a, a few steps backwards even when you've been, while you've been here. It hasn't always been. I know fans love to hear this or think they, this is what we were doing, trying to work our walks. We, weren't, we were still trying to get our pitch, right. but maybe on occasion, and again, I, we could be as wrong as the day is long, but I just thought that there were times over the last couple of years too where guys were waiting for that perfect pitch. And you know as a hitting coach, uh, those perfect pitches don't come all that often. Right, and I, and I think what, what goes about is what we've seen. Uh, I mean, I agree with your point. I, I think we're trying to maybe, even in spring training, be a little ultra-aggressive. If we do make a mistake, you know, on, we'd rather make it on the aggressive side instead of the passive side. And I think what we're seeing that's changed from, you know, the time, especially from the time I got in the big leagues in 05 with Cleveland to now is the fact that, you know, I was always like, hey, let's get in the bullpen. Let's get to the sixth. Let's get to the seventh. Now you got these monster bullpens that are built in the sixth, in the seventh. I mean, Kansas City proved that last year. They won a World Series because they did a lot of things well offensively. But when you got to the sixth inning and you got those four-headed monster, it, it, it was scary. You get, you know, four different guys throwing 98 with power stuff. So I think it's kind of the whole mindset of baseball has changed. How would you describe aggressiveness versus passiveness? You use those words. Does aggressiveness mean first thing you, you see that you can hit, drive it, Past passivity, uh, passiveness means uh, wait till later in the count. How do you describe that, and how do you explain that to the hitters? Well, I think passivity is a big word. I don't know if I, mean, I, I might have just made up that's a word. Yeah, that's by pretty the way. impressive. Multisyllabic, nicely done. Yeah, the guy from Chicago definitely didn't get that word. Uh, <laughs> More than two I, syllables, I, I, I was in trouble. I think the the uh, going back to to Dave's point was maybe we were waiting for the perfect pitch instead of getting a pitch that we knew we could drive or we knew we could put in play and let things happen. And, you know, our, our, our club has changed. The guys we have changed. We've had some guys in the past that were really good about not swinging at balls. And, I mean, at times we were actually, you know, not built on the walk, but we, we had guys that could walk. So I think it's not looking for the perfect pitch. It's like, hey, if we get a strike in our zone, we're going to try to do damage on it, especially early in the count. Ray's hitting coach Derek Shelton joining us here on our Countdown to Opening Day show. Again, we are broadcasting from just outside the Tiki Hut, out in left center field on the boardwalk here at Charlotte Sports Park. And some of the folks who are here at the Rays uh, victory over the Pirates 5-1 to one, sticking around, enjoying some uh, post-game drink specials. So keep that in mind for our next Thursday home game. And, uh, Sheltie, when you, you look at some of the new guys, and, again, I don't, wanna, I don't know if I want a single guys out, but trying to just off the top of my head, the, the three or four guys that we're going to be seeing maybe a lot, uh, we're talking about, you know, uh, Brad Miller. We're talking Logan Morrison. We got them from Seattle. And then also Corey Dickerson, who uh, I remember texting you after his first BP at, uh, at Tropicana Field, and you came back with uh, some superlatives that uh, I've heard for other guys on other teams, uh, like a Chris Davis or a Mark Reynolds with that helium ball that looks like it's going to be a pop-up to medium deep outfield and then goes out of the ballpark. Uh, he had one of those today where it looked like, again, he really didn't get it, and it ends up on the warning track. I mean, yeah. you, you, we've got some guys now who can be different makers at the plate to help out guys who have been there already. Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, I mean, you, you brought up Corey to begin with. 
Corey, Corey has the element that uh, we haven't had here at least probably in the last four or five years where we saw it the first day of spring training where he had a 2-0 pitch and he almost fell over swinging at it, which is great. I mean, we're looking for him to, to unleash it. But the, the thing, you know, even going from that initial text, seeing him at the Trop in February, is, I mean, he's an accomplished hitter. You saw him today with, uh, he got in a situation with a runner at third, less than two outs, he gets a uh, 0-0 breaking ball. He puts the ball in play, gets a knock into the outfield, gets a gets the RBI. We saw it a couple nights ago in Baltimore. We played the night game. He had a situation with uh, runner at second, third, one out, left on left. He gets to two strikes. He hits the ball hard at Chris Davis, gets the run in. I mean, this guy has some hitting ability. And, and, it's I, not and I think even, that's what, I mean, that, to get back to him, for, to talk about him more, though, is that everybody's raving about his power, but he's a bona fide hitter. Yeah, I mean, he's he a can, guy that should be a 300 hit. hitter. He can hit. He knows what he's doing. He's got a good approach. He has a good idea. You know, I mean, uh, he played in the National League West, which has some good pitching. So, you know, I think our biggest adjustment for us right now is just getting, getting him acclimated to uh, being the American League East and seeing the guys. You know, we're going to talk to Logan Morrison just a little bit, too. And he was saying during the interview that he wants to be a guy that when he comes up, the pitchers have a degree of fear that if they make a mistake, he might just drive the ball out of the ballpark, drive it to the gap. Dickerson has that. I think we have a little more of that now than, than maybe in the last couple of years where there's guys that the other team's manager knows that if the, the guy they bring in for the bullpen makes a mistake, there's going to be a couple of runs on the board. I, the home run is great, but sometimes even the threat of the home run right. uh, adjust what that other manager might do. Right, and I, I think you know a lot of people want to talk about power, the ball going out of the ballpark. It's more impact. You know, they're going to they're going to impact the ball. They're going to hit the ball in the gap. You know, possibly gets up. You know, we had it here. I think my first year in ten, we had some guys that there were threats throughout the lineup, or at least hit the ball out of the ballpark at least the first six or seven spots. And I, I think our lineup is longer now. And I, and I think with that, it gives Kevin some different options. And more so, opposing managers have to look at our lineup now and think, okay, how am I going to match this up? What am I going to be able to do? And more importantly, in the past, we've been extremely right-handed. Now we've added, you know, Miller. We've added Morrison. We've added uh, Dickerson. We've added some guys that can hit from that are left-handed hitters, so it kind of balances out our lineup a little bit. What what does this mean for a guy like Evan Longoria? I mean, again, as we were talking during the break, and we, uh, uh, you know, you see Mark Topkins columns, Roger Mooney in the uh, Tampa Tribune, along with Topper in the Tampa Bay Times about uh, potential lineups. And, and right now I think about the only guy you can maybe put in pen would be Evan Longoria in the number three spot. Uh, how much does that impact him? Because I think, too, Evan's one of those guys that has kind of a tri- trickle-up effect that when he's going well, the guys in front of him start to maybe see some better pitches because you know they don't want to walk guys and get Evan on base. And then when Evan's going well, and you know I said, you think about this in Little League High School and maybe even college, but talking about it with other people, they said when your best player is struggling, the other guys on the bench start wondering, well, how am I going to hit if he can't hit? And you don't realize that that really does take place at the big league level. But if Evan hits, it seems like it takes pressure off the guys behind him too. Right. Yeah, I think that's kind of twofold. I think you know one of the thing one of the things we've seen with Longo is he probably cares as much as anybody we've ever had here and will ever have here. And I think at times we seem maybe you know struggle a little bit because he tries to do a little bit too much because our lineup hasn't been what it want what we want it to be. But I think we're in a situation now with the people around him. We're going to see you know Evan be Evan, and I'm really excited about the way he looks. If you see him, he looks big, he looks strong. I mean, he's swinging the bat good. He's having good at bats in the spring. So uh, it, it is. It's one of those things where I think they're going to make Evan better, and Evan's going to make them better. It's kind of you know kind of a twofold thing. Logan Forsythe at leadoff today went three for three. This he is a guy coming off. Of, <laughs> can you really? believe that? I Amazing, didn't know that. amazingly wow. so. Seventeen homers a year ago. He's a strong kid. People may not realize it to, to see him in uniform, but he's got strong forearms, strong hands, strong wrists. It, where does that power come from with him? And 
where did he go from 14 to 15 to suddenly be uh, maybe even a middle-of-the-order hitter, if not, who knows, our new leadoff guy? Right. Well, I think, number one, it was the opportunity. You know, I think the things that when we acquired him from San Diego, our guys did a really good job of seeing some things with a guy that hadn't played consistently. And, you know, honestly, I mean, he got an opportunity last year, and it's that adage, once you get the opportunity and, and you take off, and he did. But his strength comes from his forearms. I mean, if you ever shake his hand, I mean, he's got mm -hmm. strong hands. He's a strong guy. He's got a really short swing. So it, it's one of those things that that's where that comes from. But I, I think, you know, what you see at Logan is you see a guy that, that grinds it out every day. You know, you see a blue-collar player that uh, got the opportunity and took the most of it. You know, he, he played well defensively. As, as He played as well defensively as he did offensively. And now he's become a cornerstone, you know, because of uh, the contract, and he's going to be here, which is great for us. Derek Shelton, Ray City Coach, joining us here on our Countdown to Opening Day show. And, Shelton, we'll keep you here for a couple more minutes. Thanks for, again, taking the time. We've been talking about a lot of guys that are new here, some of the guys, uh, again, like Logan and Longo, who have been here for a little while. But some of the other guys, I mean, James Loney looks uh, slimmed down and looks like he's swinging the bat kind of like he did. Uh, you know, again, I mean, he's been a hitter most of his career, and he looks uh, uh, like he did a couple of years ago. Same thing with, you know, again, we forget Desmond Jennings had maybe the best spring of anybody last year and then got hurt. I mean, Desmond can be a difference maker on this team like no other, maybe outside of Kevin Kiermaier because of what he can do between power and running and, and hitting for average when he's on his game. I mean, are you does Desmond look a little different, or, or is it just that he's healthy right now? Well, he's healthy, number one, but he does look different. And uh, like I alluded to earlier, you know, the, the biggest excitement I got out of the game today was Desmond saw five strikes and swung at him. He swung at a 3-0 pitch and came out of his shoes on it. He got an 0-0 fastball as next to bat and hit it in the seats. So, you know, that excites me. Desmond Jennings being healthy is, is a difference maker for us because of the fact of all everything he adds. And I think even, you know, the games he played last year when he came back, and, I, you know, I don't know what he hit, but he had impact on us. He has impact on our lineup. He has impact on the ability for Kevin to hit him at the top, hit him in the middle. So that's important to us. Keeping Des on the field is, is very important to us. And, you know, I'm excited. He came out of spring last year, and I was probably as, as excited about him as I was any guy in the last four or five years. And then he has the unfortunate injury. So it, it's, it's a nice dynamic to have him back in the fold. So much attention is on Kevin Kiermaier's defense, and rightfully so. He may be the best defensive player in the game, an absolute difference maker. But offensively, what is his ceiling? What what could Kevin bring? You know, I, I think of a moment last year, I think it was his first home run. He took Kevin Gosman out of the park, and the pitch was like 99 miles an hour. I mean, that tells you he's got bat speed. Right. Is he a 15 to 20 homer guy eventually? He might be a 15 to 20 triples guy the way he plays. What What's the next step for him, and what can Kevin Kiermaier be offensively? Well, to put an actual number on it, I think would be unfair. You know, I think he came to the big leagues the first year and hit, what, 10, 11 homers, and I don't know if he'd done that in his minor league career. I, I think the one thing that happened with KK is he got to the big leagues because, you know, and you said it, and I feel personally, I mean, he's the best defender in baseball, hands down. He should have won the platinum glove. We were so excited for him. Uh, but he was offensively, he was a little bit behind. And it's not his fault. It's just when you're that good a defender, you get to the big leagues. So he, he, it's kind of a maturation process where he's learning, doing things. I think from what we saw out of him the last six weeks of this year last year, really excited everybody. Uh, not only the growth of him as an offensive player, but the growth of his conversations and what he's talking about and how his mind works. So his ceiling, this guy's going to be a good player. And, I mean, he has a chance to be a great player. And it's just going to take a little bit of time. And there's going, to be, there's going to be speed bumps in there. But because of the way he runs, because of his bunning game coming, there's going to be a lot of great things that happen with him. Is he similar to Carl Crawford? I've seen that comparison made. I mean, he may not have some of the true skills with regard to base stealing ability, 
uh, or some of the other things, but is there a parallel between the two guys? They have impact with, with their legs, with their bats, with their, their gloves, but I, I can see where there could be a similarity between some of the things that Crawford was able to do and some of the things that Kevin could do. Well, be. I think the greatest parallel there is they're both extremely athletic in the box, and what I mean by that is you'll see KK take some really weird swings and put the ball in play, and all of a sudden it's a knock, and in his case, a double or triple at times. You know, he goes butt out, he hits the ball off the end of the bat, and I think CeCe was that same way. I mean, I was, you know, only, CeCe was only here a year with me, but he would really take some awkward swings, and you'd look up and he'd be standing at third. So I, I think that's where the parallel comes with both of them. They're, they're able to do things from awkward positions that only guys that are extreme athletes can do. Shelty, my takeaway from our uh, gathering here today is that you are excited, and rightfully so. I think, again, we've got some pieces to the puzzle, again, within this lineup that have not been here for a while. And uh, I, I'd, I'm, I'm liking the fact that you're excited as opposed to kind of frustrated as to wondering where we're going to get some hits as what sometimes we get up in the booth uh, for the first few innings of games. I really, truly believe that this might be our best offensive lineup since maybe your first year in 2010. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm genuinely excited. I, th I think Matt and Hyman Eric did a great job, you know, with the guys we acquired. Uh, I've really been excited with the way our guys have bought in, you know, up and down. I mean, from, you know, it all starts with Longo and, and talking to Longo about it. And then when you get the new guys in and you have the conversations and, and what they're doing, but they're excited, they're hungry, they're buying into it. And, you know, not only with the ability to maybe drive the ball in the gap or impact the ball, you know, we have some guys that can run a little bit. So it gives Kevin some different options to do on the bases. But, uh, yeah, it's an early indicator in the spring. You know, I'm excited. I know you guys get frustrated, but I, yeah, I do too. I mean, I, it has. So uh, it leads to some long nights some nights. It, it can. All right, hey, Shelty, thanks for taking the time to join us. We always appreciate your candor Thank and your uh, chats with us, and uh, thanks for taking the time. All right, thanks, guys. Derek Sheldon, Rays hitting coach, joining us here on our Countdown to Opening Day show. Hey, the Rays are offering new weekday specials all season long. Enjoy discounted hot dogs, kids' tickets, and many, many more weekday deals throughout the 2016 regular season. For more information, you want to visit RaysBaseball.com or call 888-FAN-RAYS. Raise up. He's Andy Freed. I'm Dave Wills. Again, we're broadcasting this week's edition of the Countdown to Opening Day show by the Tiki Hut and Left Center Field out here at the Charlotte Sports Park. We'll take a break. Andy had a chance to sit down with uh, one of the newly acquired uh, members of the Rays, Logan Morrison, and that conversation will come your way after this. On your home for Rays Baseball, 620 WDAE and the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back here. We're outside the Tiki Hut at uh, Charlotte Sports Park with Andy Freed. I am Dave Wills. And, hey, Rays baseball is back for 2016, and single-game tickets are now on sale. Don't miss your chance to be a part of the Rays' 11th straight sellout for opening day. Visit RaysBaseball.com or call 888-FAN-RAYS. Raise up. Well, the Rays uh, won today. They beat the Pittsburgh Pirates by a score of 5-1. to one. And uh, earlier today, Andy Freed had a chance to sit down and chat with one of the newest members of the Rays, Logan Morris. Okay, Dave, thank you very much as we're visiting now with Logan Morrison, one of the new members of the Tampa Bay Rays for 2016. Logan, welcome to the team. always like to ask guys when they're sent over, how did you find out that you're going to be changing organizations? It's the second time you've, you've changed organizations. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. This was in November sometime and um, wasn't by my phone or anything. I saw a bunch of missed calls and um, listened to the voicemails, called me immediately um, from Jeff Kingston, the assistant GM, and uh, general manager Jerry Depoto in Seattle, and I was like, oh, "This is weird." I didn't even think about getting traded because um, right away I didn't because um, I thought it was kind of too early for that. And but guess it wasn't. So uh, yeah, that's kind of how I called him back and found out that I've been traded. And you know, it was um, you know I, I think 
my first initial reaction was like, hey, I hated to leave Seattle, but again, excited to be um, going on to new endeavors and looking forward to what, um, you know, what, what we can do as a team here in Tampa. Absolutely. And, you know, I've often wondered, too, because when you've been around this game, you know, guys are scouted, signed, drafted by a team. And in your mind, a lot of guys tell me, they think, well, they're probably just going to be with that team forever. You were with the Marlins for a long time, very much identified with the Marlins. And then you were sent to Seattle. And then you're sent to the Tampa Bay Rays, which is great because it shows that someone very much wants your services. Were you more prepared for being traded second time compared to the first time it happened to you? Uh, as far as what to expect the second time, um, way more prepared. But – uh, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody really knows when you're going to get traded. Um, exactly. Um, you know, you always, especially coming up with the Marlins, you always figured it was going to happen eventually. Um, but just didn't know when, and you know, when your time comes, it comes and you, know, you just kind of go with the flow. It's, it's a, a weird profession. I've said to people all the time, imagine you're told, okay, you're going from this company to that company, and you really don't have much of a choice. It's just the way the way life goes. Let's play a little uh, This Is Your Life, because we've known you as a visitor. Let's get to know you a little bit as, uh, as a Tampa Bay Ray. First things first, when you look you up in the media guide, we all know you as Logan. That's not your first name. Your name is Justice. What's the, the history behind that? Yeah, so I didn't even know my first name, you know, growing up. Everybody just called me Logan, so I just figured that's what it was. And, you know, I, I joke, but I think, like, the first time, you know, I was in school and people were like, Justice, Justice. So the teacher was like, Justice, call and roll. And I was like, <laughs> you know, and had to find out the hard way that was actually me. So, um, um, but, but how my name originated was uh, my dad said, uh, when I was born, that there was people say there's no justice in the world. Well, now there is, except for he spelt it J U S T I S and not J U S T I C E. But you know, we'll go. We'll, we'll we'll let him have his moment in the sun. That's a beautiful thing, actually. It, it, you're kind of part of a cause, so to speak. Uh, there is justice in the world now. Now you traveled around a lot as a kid. Your dad was in the Coast Guard. You went to high school. I saw in Louisiana. Where were some of the places that you went? And and was it hard traveling around as a kid? Uh, you know, as a kid, it was very hard. Um, looking back on it now. Um, I would trade it for the world just because it's made me who I am today. It's made me adapt easy. Uh, being in baseball, you have to be able to adapt and, um, to your surroundings and, and uh, kind of, again, go with the flow. And, um, you know, as a young kid, you, you don't want to go and make new friends. Baseball helped me with that. So it was an easier transition for me. But, um, you know, definitely a lot of uh, anxious field moments walking in on the first day of school many a times. I think I've lived in – Five different places, um, but was born in Kansas City and then Key West, then Newport News, Virginia, Wilmington, North Carolina, back to Kansas City, and then Slido, Louisiana. And that was all before high school was over. Um, but in Kansas City, it was at different high schools. So it was, uh, it was definitely a, uh, I guess, a uh, unstable childhood, but uh, as far as um, um, being and having roots, but, you know, I would get, wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for the world. How did it prepare you? I mean, I think what life might have been like as a kid traveling around like that. You say introducing yourself to kids on the first day of school, but you're just a little kid. You're trying to figure life out like we are at that age. How do you think you did get through it? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think just like anything, you just, you just do. You don't, you don't like, uh, you know, it, it seems pretty trivial now looking back on it, but at the time it was a huge deal for me. And, um, you know, I think younger kids are, are it's harder for them, but if they can do it then, they can do it when they're older. And, uh, you know, I think um, it definitely helped me adapt and be who I am. 
how did baseball start to be a part of your life? Uh, and did it help you get through all that stuff? Uh, that's a common denominator with you. If you're good at sports, you're good in any location. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think uh, baseball, as far as my personal life, because I uh, had moved around so much, it helped me meet people, um, meet friends, you know, hang out with them after practice, whatnot. Um, then they would introduce me to their friends. Their, therefore, I'd kind of be, be accepted that way. Um, um, as far as the other question, I don't remember what you asked. So. <laughs> That's quite all right. Well, I think you pretty much did, right. uh, maybe inadvertently, but you did definitely okay. just, just answer it. Sports can do pretty amazing things for you as a kid. So when do you start? I've always often wondered this for, for kids because there's always different answers. When did you start to realize that you were better than most of the other kids at baseball? Well, I never really th- – my father was very um, grounding in the way that he, um, I guess, taught me the game and taught me about life. Um, always told me there was somebody better out there, um, so don't get comfortable. Um, keep working, keep getting better. So I never really thought about that I was better than other people. I just thought about how I could get better in the game. And, uh, you know, I think, again, that's something that stuck with me and, and helped me be where I am today. Um, when when I thought I could do this for a living, um, you know, I I always knew I was going to do this for a living. I think I told my, my mom going to school one day when I was six years old that I wanted to be a baseball player, um, you know, but then in the off season I wanted to be a brain surgeon. And she was like, oh, you know, you get um, blood on you, you know, with the brain. And I was like, okay, well, I'm out. I'll just be a baseball player. So that's you made the right choice, I think, as it, as it turned out. With your dad being in the Coast Guard. Did it force you to be a disciplined kid? It sounds like what you're saying. They kept you grounded. But it, I would think from a military family, you, there's a lot of discipline in there. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, there's rules you had to follow. Um, you know, he would go out on the boat for six weeks at a time, but that wasn't that wasn't like if the cat's away, the mice will play type deal. He always had neighbors checking in on me, making sure I was throwing my certain amount of pitches a day and uh, hitting my spots and doing all this stuff. And, um so, you know, even when he wasn't there, he was there. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it definitely, he definitely taught me, uh, work ethic and without work ethic, you're not going to amount to much. And if you do, it's not going to last for long. So, um, you know, I owe a lot to him. We move ahead. We're visiting with Logan Morris, a new member of the Tampa Bay Rays. And you ended up being drafted by the, well, then the Florida Marlins in the 22nd round of the 05 draft. You were, you brought along, at least as I look at your stat page, slowly, but steadily. And it looks like your breakout year was 2008 uh, with the Jupiter Hammerheads, I believe the, they're called. Florida State League MVP that year. What broke through for you? What really started to get things uh, going in that great direction? Man, I, I remember uh, being in, in spring training and just struggling. Just couldn't even take batting practice. Like, it was hitting balls in the ground, and it was brutal. And I remember uh, John Maley, who's now the hitting coach with the Cubs, took me off to the side. We hit in the cages one day, and, um, you know, told me, see this video, this is what I want you to do. Okay, so got in the cage, and he flipped to me, good. All right, so then he took me out on a uh, golf cart, and um, I went into the game and hit against some high-A Mets pitcher, and um, the first, I, I don't know if it was the first pitch, second pitch, whatever, that first at bat I had, I remember getting the fastball and double the left center, and then it was just, I took off from there. Um, you know, I, whatever it was, it clicked, and, um, you know, I try to recreate that year a lot, but uh, have yet to do that. But uh, definitely um, owe a lot to him as well as as my father being being here. 
Absolutely. And you, I think of you and Stan together coming up and just crushing it from either side of the plate. He's from the right side, you're from the left side. Now that you've had a few years to look back on that time, how do you remember that time, your first real time as a steady major league player, and it looked like you guys were going to take the world by storm? Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, for me, it, it was a little bittersweet. Um, a lot of injuries. Um, but being able to play with Mike all through the, throughout the uh, – or Giancarlo – uh, all throughout the uh, minor leagues, getting to see him grow as a person and, um, you know, as a player is pretty special. Um, you know, I, I, I remember having a conversation with him and we were in the double-A championship and, um, you know, he was struggling and, you know, basically just say, hey, man, don't go get your head down because for you more than anybody, it just takes one and you can change the game. Um, and it doesn't matter about what you've done to this point. We're in the playoffs. So if you get one pitch and – and, and you, you barrel it up, or even if you don't barrel it up, you get jammed and break your bat, it still has a chance to go out. And it, it could change the game for us when we win a championship. And, um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, it was his roommate that year. And, um, you know, I think uh, I just I, – I, I will get to tell my grandkids that I got to play with um, Giancarlo Stanton and one of the best players to ever play the game. And um, pretty cool. Can you talk about the support that you have that others may have for you, you have to have for others? The struggles when you look back, that's the good stuff in a way. That's when I think as a minor league player you really start to branch out. You almost need to struggle, I've felt, in the minor leagues to then when you get to the major leagues know how to come out of a moment when because everybody's going to struggle at some point in the major leagues. Do you think you learn from your struggles like everyone does during your time in the minors? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, a lot of I remember a lot of people saying – a lot of people saying that it's not the the uh, the um, destination, it's the journey. And uh, you know, some of the most fun times I've had playing baseball has been in the minor leagues. Um, you know, having said that, I don't want to go back. But uh, I think that that uh, that it was it was a lot of fun and, and and getting to look back on those times. You know, getting to play with great players and, and getting to win championships and um, you know having the injuries and things like that. Um, prepares it makes you stronger if it doesn't kill you it makes you stronger and um, definitely gives me life lessons to pass on to my kids and um, I look forward to doing that were you always a good defensive player because when we see you as a visitor you you you're like James Loney in that sense where it looks like you almost have sponges where the ball just wants to kind of softly land uh, in your mid has defense always come easy for you uh you know no not at all uh that's something I've really had to work on um, I was a natural first baseman coming up, and then two weeks before I got called up, they said go to left field. Um, and I think in uh, uh, you know two weeks later again, like I said, I got called up left field, and that was I think the second day I made a web gym, and I don't think I've come close since uh, in the outfield. But uh, getting to go back to first base, um, obviously being away from it for two years, got a little was a little rusty. But then, um, you know, I think working with Chris Woodward last year in, in uh, Seattle, uh, Perry Hill um, helped me out in Tampa, um, and, you know, Foley's helping me out now. I think, you know, all these guys, they, they really know what they're talking about, and I just try to absorb everything I can from them. And, um, you know, I, I think more than anything, for me, it's a confidence thing. I, I, I've had people tell me that, you, you know, you're a below-average um, fielder when I was in the minor leagues as far at first base. So every time I step on the field, I want to prove him wrong. Um, you know, play with a chip on my shoulder and go get balls that people don't think I can go get and make plays people don't think I can make. And, you know, it's not, there's nothing better than taking away a hit from somebody because um, I've been on the other end or, and, and it's not fun. <laughs> um, but just not only taking the hit away from that person, but 
um, letting your pitcher um, kind of exhale if he makes a mistake and then you're able to bail him out. That, that stuff's a lot of fun. A couple of moments left here with Logan Morrison, new member of the Tampa Bay Rays for this year. And uh, tell us about last year in Seattle, 17 home runs. You got a chance to play uh, 146 games, which was a career high. Uh, and that's all, that's all good stuff. So you've baked the statement, the knee problems are behind you. Uh, you hit for power in a very unfriendly power ballpark. When you look back on last year, how do you make sense of, of the way really things did go in a very good direction? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't see it as a, a good, you know, good season for me myself. Um, you know, as far as from a health standpoint, yeah. You know, I'm glad that I was able to stay healthy. Uh, but, but as far as st stats wise, you know, I know there's more in the tank. I know there's more I can do, and um, you know, looking forward to go out and showing that um, this year. Um, you know, I definitely want to be in the middle of the lineup every every day, um, no matter if it's a lefty or righty up. Um, you know, I I think uh, you know the year before I hit way better against lefties, and then last year I didn't. Whatever reason that was, I don't know. Um, but you know, looking forward to going out there and um, you know, kind of putting the two seasons together. If you can homer against Aaron Loop as a lefty, to me, I think you can homer against that guy. I don't know how anyone ever hits him, yeah. especially as a lefty. I mean, that, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, I mean, I still look at that, and, and you know, that's that was a time where I was blackout at the plate, and um, nobody could get me out unless I swung at a bad pitch. So that was pretty fun. All right, a couple of things to touch on. You were the first athlete that I really remember. <laughs> now, this I may not be the great barometer here for uh, modern technology and social media, but you were the first player I really heard of utilizing Twitter, uh, social media. It became one of the things you were, you were known for. First of all, how did you come up with the name Cup of Lomo? And did you just instantly take to it? Because it seems like people knew you as much personality-wise as they did, you know, even as a pro professional athlete. Yeah, uh, I, I think that um, it was to start, it was, um, you know, obviously to get your name out there, things like that. Um, and the first one was at Lomo Marlins and then got traded to Seattle. So it was a play on um, at cup uh, at uh, it was a play on um, coffee. So a cup of Lomo, a cup of coffee. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, I haven't changed it yet this year. I haven't really been on it in a while. Um, you know, I just baby and dog and wife as things kind of get in the way of uh, social media. But, um, you know, I really enjoyed the, the times I was on there and, um, yeah, it was it was crazy to think. That, oh, this guy plays baseball, and he's. Uh, I just thought he was on Twitter, and he was funny, you know, things like that. So yeah, but um, you know, I, I obviously want to be known as a baseball player first, and um, so that may be one of the reasons too. But you know, I I I, I remember a time where Outlider was interviewing me. He's like, "Don't you think Twitter and baseball is just like a little too much?" <laughs> typing in typing in letters on a keyboard is a little too much. Yeah, no, that's tough. You're right. I should probably stop doing that. You should ask him, isn't being on national TV on MLB Network and Fox, isn't that enough, too, for goodness sake? Hey, w what would you consider a successful year uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays? You said, I mean, 17 homers, to me, looked like a good year. You said you don't think it was last year. What would be a successful year for you this year? Um, you know, I think past um, stats, um, I don't like to put number stats on it. You know, there are, there are things I want to reach, but I don't want to um, put limitations on them either. Um, just be a feared hitter um, in the middle of the lineup every day, um, knowing that when they come play the Rays, they got to get me out and they got to get Longoria out and they got to get uh, Forsyth out and you know all those all those things. I want to be mentioned with those guys and um, I want pitchers to be able to 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 get a little more tense whenever they have to 
whenever they see me walking to the plate. Well, we're very glad to have you. And I do want to touch on one thing before we go. Uh, I know you're going to be doing some work with the Moffitt Cancer Center. You did lose your father to lung cancer several years ago. And you're going to be hosting Uncork for a Cause on June 12th. What can you tell us about that? I know you've done it in years past. Yeah, I uh, did it for the first time last year. And, um, you know, it was a really good event. Uh, a couple years prior to, we've done um, um, baseball camps. This is a little easier to put together, um, do it on a, a – a uh, night after a day game and then we have a day off so we can all drink some wine um that night and um you know get to meet fans uh get to meet um you know people with at Moffitt um that are help that are that are trying to find a cure for cancer and um you know I, I think it's a it's a great cause because it affects everybody and um you know I, I was talking to the Fred Hunch Fred Hutch people last year who I did the benefit for and they said they're about 10 years away from finding a cure for lung cancer and you know, it's, you know, it's too late to save my dad, but the reason I started out doing this kind of stuff was to, uh, to, to make sure that, you know, very few people, if any people have to go through that, it's a crippling disease. It took the strongest man that I knew. Um, and, and, you know, at the end of it, he was a shell of what he was. And I just remember how big his forearms used to be and how intimidating he used to be. And, you know, just seeing him there on, on his deathbed, it, it was, it's crazy. It, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are. Um, it, it'll, it'll, you know, it'll damage you. And, um, you know, so that's why we do the, the, these events and I'm um, looking forward to raising a lot of money. There'll be uh, silent auction stuff out there, jerseys, cleats, gloves, balls, um, all signed by different guys that I collect uh, throughout the season and looking forward to it and looking forward to having a great time. Absolutely. A day to celebrate, no doubt. On June 12th, we'll be pumping that up as we get closer. Logan, welcome to the race, and uh, thank you for a few moments. Great to be here. Thank you. That is Logan Morrison. Dave, we'll send it back to you. A pretty intriguing guy, Andy Freed, and uh, a guy that, uh, again, I always, just like you, I really enjoyed a lot of his uh, back and forth on Twitter, uh, I guess, when you become a parent. And uh, as he said, he's got a, a three-year-old boxer at home, too, that uh, keeps him busy. I guess it'll keep you off Twitter for a little while. But uh, he, he's, he's one of those guys that is going to be kind of intriguing, one of those guys we've been watching for a long, long time. Back to when he first came up with the Marlins. I know Andrew Friedman always kind of had an eyeball on him as well. And now he's a member of the Rays. And it'll be interesting to see not only where he fits in offensively in the batting order, but maybe even defensively as well because he might play some corner outfield and first base. It's going to be very interesting just roster manipulation-wise. Uh, a lot of toys for Kevin Cash to work with right now. And when you look at Logan Morrison, he's a good defensive first baseman, but maybe he can play some corner outfield also. We really don't have the answer the answers to that stuff at this point. And one thing that stands out, Dave, from talking to him today, I know you saw it as well. He was talking about his dad who uh, died in uh, 2010. Uh, he was talking about his dad's forearms and how strong they were. And you look at Logan Morrison, and his forearms are just gigantic and big, very strong. Just a big guy. All just the way a around. big guy overall. And you can totally see where the power comes from and for I know Logan Shelty's Morrison. talking about, we talked with Shelty earlier about impact. Uh, you know, again, there, there's there's some guys that when he, they step in the box now, they look like they can go deep. Yep. And that's always in the back of your mind. It was one thing, too, like last year, last couple of years, if I make a mistake to this guy, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? An opposite field single? Right. Now we've got some guys who put in the back of these pitchers' minds, maybe they'll hit a home run off me if I make a mistake. And how about for Logan, too? Think of where he's played. I mean, he's played a lot of big ballparks. I know Tropicana Field's not a home run haven, but he will play in the American League this year in some pretty nice home run ballparks, and that is a way he can get those home run numbers uh, up even higher. Well, with the Rays' new Big 22 plan, you can get tickets to the biggest games, matchups, and giveaways, and access to the new Rays Rewards Points Program for season ticket holders, all while saving up to $140. Call 888-FAN-RAYS or visit RaysBaseball.com today 
Raise up. With Dave Wills, I'm Andy Freed. We're at the Tiki Hut at Charlotte Sports Park out in left center field following a 5-1 win for the Rays today, defeating the Pittsburgh Pirates. When we come back, we'll have our last segment with Neil Solaz, who called the game today on RaysBaseball.com. With Andy Sonnenstein, we'll get his thoughts on the game today and an update on all the things going on in spring training with Neil. Along with Dave, I'm Andy. Back in a moment on Countdown to Opening Day, 620 WDAE and the Rays Radio Network. See the Rays this spring by getting your spring training three-pack. Get great savings and select from games against the Red Sox, Yankees, and more. RaysBaseball.com slash spring or 888-FAN-RAYS. Raise up. Again, we're outside the Tiki Hut here at Charlotte Sports Park with Andy Freedom, Dave Wills. Neil Solange joining us now. We'll be back on the air Saturday afternoon. The Rays will be taking on the New York Yankees uh, right here at Charlotte Sports Park on Saturday at 1. Andy and I will have the play-by-play. Neil will be down on the field chatting with uh, Kevin Cash, among others, uh, throughout the broadcast. And then on Sunday, back on the air again here against the Boston Red Sox. So part of your uh, three-pack, you might want to uh, get that ticket uh, early because uh, the next two games here at Charlotte Sports Park will be against the Yankees and Red Sox. And uh, Neil Solons was broadcasting today's 5-1 win over the uh, Pirates with Andy Sonnenstein. And, Neil, uh, again, I know we're talking about the offense as we did most of the uh, the day with Derek Shelton, but as I was listening coming in, you and Andy Sonnenstein again commenting about how Drew Smiley once again just stays off the middle of the bat for the most part. He was really, really sharp. Uh, you know, what I really liked about uh, Drew today is – just how he pounded the strike zone. His velocity is where you would think it would be in the regular season. He's topping out at 93 miles an hour. He's got command. Very, very encouraging. I mean, who knows what this means for the regular season. But I, I, you can't think it's anything but a good sign the way he's throwing so far. He came in in great shape, and it, it shows. Ray's had a couple other games this week. Uh, one here against the Blue Jays, and, and uh, you were down at Fort Myers when they took on the Red Sox. We're starting to see some interesting guys from the bullpen. Cedeno, Colomay made their debuts. Romero pitching with a lot of uh, emphasis, I think, so far this springing this spring. Who are some of the bullpen guys that have stood out to you so far? I think those guys definitely stand out. You know, I've been impressed by Danny Farquhar, who pitched today, and I think Andrew Bellotti has shown improvement. His changeup today was much, much better than I've seen it last year, and I think having a lot of useful options is really important because, as we know, there are going to be guys in the DL who are ineffective. For whatever reason, the Rays are going to need all hands on deck throughout the year. And, you know, you look at the, the offense, uh, too. I mean, it's a situation where all you know, early spring, and even for that matter, the latter part of winter, everybody was talking about all the new guys. But the, the guys who have been here that have been counted out, supposedly, by a lot of us, a lot of people in the media, James Loney and Desmond Jennings, continue to uh, make their presence felt. No doubt. And uh, sometimes the best moves you make are the ones you don't make. Um, and who knows? I mean, if Desmond Jennings is healthy, we all know what he's capable of. And for James Loney, look, not only does he look, bad, look good uh, offensively, but I think his defense can really be a key for the Rays, especially with the struggles they've had a little bit at shortstop defensively this spring. Before we wrap it up, I'm putting you on the spot. In 10 seconds, who hits leadoff this year? Uh, probably about three or four guys. I'll go Brandon Geyer against lefties and a combination against righties. There you go. Sounds a little bit like Suzanne Pluchette today. How's, how's the, uh, how the allergies Neil treating Solman. you there, buddy? Uh, Claritin is going to be my best friend. <laughs> all right, hey, good luck with all that. And, uh, again, enjoyed the broadcast today. You and Andy did a, a tremendous job. Andy Sonnenstein, great job today, and uh, thanks for your help here as well. Andy Free, that will be it for another show here today. And, again, a uh, uh, couple of guys. I mean, that's, we're, we're lucky that we have 
what a great manager in Kevin Cash, but then we've got two very eloquent uh, uh, position coach and the pitching and hitting coach and Derek Shelton and Jim Hickey. They could probably talk for hours if we wanted to and, uh, again, fill this up with a lot of insight. Busy, busy boys, too. They are in all parts of this complex, and I wouldn't be shocked if they sneak over and see some of the minor league guys, too. We'll see you, Dave, Saturday. We'll see you Saturday. Countdown opening day is a presentation of the Rays Radio Network. The executive producer of the Rays Radio Network is Larry McCabe. Today's show produced by Chris Miller and Jordan Caviella. Studio engineer was Brian Allward. Our production assistants, as always, Lada Ospina and Jesse Feldman. Also, thanks to Derek Shelton and Logan Morrison for joining us. Again, we're back on the radio on Saturday at 1 o'clock when the Rays take on the Yankees here at Charlotte Sports Park. Now for Neil Solons and my broadcast partner, Andy Freed, I'm Dave Wills. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Countdown to Opening Day show on your home for Rays baseball, 620 WDAE and the Rays Radio Network. Have a great night, everybody.